So today we're here with Anna Melnick, who's the head of consumer insights for outdoor sports at Adidas. Great to have you with us. Hi, Paul. Great to uh, finally connect. Absolutely. And I'm honored to, uh, for the invitation. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm looking forward to having a really great conversation. Just to start with, tell us a bit about yourself, your professional background and, and your, your journey to your current role. Sure. Um, I've been mostly involved in digital businesses until I joined Adidas, uh, looking after online marketing, uh, digital growth, um, product development, uh, and uh, later on strategy, so digital strategy overall. And uh, I was always passionate about optimizing things, so doing things better. And uh, that's where, uh, when I had the opportunity to join Adidas um, in a purely data analytics role, uh, that's what I did. And I had the opportunity to develop um, uh, tools, uh, innovative tools, uh, which were which did not exist before, or uh, were custom. But so that's kind of a little bit my approach to how I do things. Uh, when there's nothing out of the box, I make it. <laughs> and what made you really connect with data analytics on an, on an emotional level? Uh, you know, you've got a pretty strong background in digital and analytics, but what really, really, um, you know, what is it for you that that makes you want to do it every day? Seeing opportunities uh, and seeing where uh, when when things go well, where they could go extremely well, and uh, always asking the why questions, always having the answers to the whys, uh, and trying to understand um, understanding the world uh, and having clear answers as to uh, why things are happening. And last but not least, being able to predict the future. Uh, of course, it's not always a crystal ball. It's always about scenarios, uh, modeling, but it's uh, surprising how much more uh, accurate you can do that once you, um, once you know uh, the data. Mm. And obviously here at the Data Storytellers, we, we, we kind of talk a lot about how do we get people on board and how do we make projects successful? You mentioned that it's about asking the right questions. What do you think are some of the best questions to ask? You know, whether it's from a, a project-based approach or maybe getting leadership on board or, or getting team members on board with analytics, you know, what, what are some of those right questions in your opinion? Um, I would start with, uh, do we have the right vision? Do we have a shared vision? And do we have the, uh, uh, are we on, on the path to achieving those? And then uh, are there any compromises to make or can we uh, do the, the things we want with um, a lot of creativity and, and do we have a lot of freedom to uh, do things differently? So I would start from the vision, uh, the path and uh, the methodology. Mm. And from an industry perspective, how do you see the, the state of data analytics today? Um, the, you know, the general progress of, of data-driven business transformation in the corporate world. You know, it's been, it's been, there's a lot of buzzwords being thrown around, a lot of industry jargon, and that's been going on for the last, you know, more than 10 years or so. So where do you see that right now? Um, we are still in a data wonderland uh, or in a data wonderment phase. Uh, people are enthralled by data. People love to look at uh, dashboards and uh, being able to look at the numbers 
in real time or look at some uh, trends prediction. So there's a lot of uh, data wonderment still uh, where in, instead of being much more punctual and using maybe only 20% of your time for data and the rest on uh, modeling, on the scenario making, on uh, uh, solutions and recommendations. Um, there is a fair degree of uh, education still needed uh, to drive uh, data literacy and analytics literacy um, across a much wider uh, range of stakeholders. Um, because what I've uh, what I notice also is that there is maybe a bit of data fatigue and analytics fatigue happening. People no longer want to. Uh, hear what the story behind the data is. They just want opinions, they want voices in the room, they want uh, real uh, verbatims perhaps, they want to let, they want to have more tangible, um, a more tangible subject. But that's where a good storyteller will make uh, all the difference. Yeah, so, so on the one end of the spectrum, you've got the, the data wow, and, and on the other end, you've got the data yes. fatigue. So, so it's, it's, yes. it's probably really hard to, to reconcile that and, you know, keep the attention, uh, but, but also make sure people don't get sick of the, the, the message. Yeah. With yeah. that in mind, how, what do you think is data drivenness? How would you, how would you define an organization being data driven? It's almost like in the, the, the easiest to parallel or metaphor I would do is when a person is rational, when a person is emotional, they're not driven by data and an organization is driven by perhaps politics or um, like uh, certain interests and they don't look at the data. With data, you become more rational, more uh, grounded in a way, and that's uh, how I would put it. Mm. And where do you see the biggest opportunities for ambitious companies and, and leaders today within DNA? Um, creating, automating more of the data, where the data intake is um, comes into play. Uh, where it makes sense to use the data and have that infrastructure, have those processes in place, have the, the right KPIs uh, looked at and considered, um, but also um, the right, all the, the data, is, uh, the beauty of it is, of course, not just in looking at dashboards, it's looking at interpretations and recommendations. We still have far too few analysts, truly creative analysts, visionary analysts um, throughout, uh, throughout organizations and giving um, the, the processes don't always take them uh, into account. More processes, more data-centric processes also means you're more um, connected to real-time data flows, real-time in information flows, uh, not to mention, of course, consumer uh, centricity for uh, consumer-facing businesses. It's all for the better. Mm -hmm. and, and that's an interesting point to bring up because, you know, it kind of makes me want to ask, what, what do you see your role as? Are you the storyteller? Are you the evangelist? Are you the recruiter? You know, are you all of these things and more? You know, what, how, would, how would you define your role? Um, evangelist, absolutely. Um, however, I try to be an evangelist and not a preacher. <laughs> it's... Um, 
important to um, see what uh, to be in tune with your stakeholders and understand what their challenges are, how uh, and always translate um, data usage to their benefits. Um, it's also about um, a, an advocate for uh, for data tools and for analytics. Um, there is a lack of trust in data and there is a lack of transparency uh, from some of the sources or there's always issues, so to say. And yet uh, there are, mm, it's my uh, I find myself often in this um, position of defending the that if you have a three percent error or something that that's not quite right it doesn't mean you don't have to trust the rest 97 percent mm -hmm. um so this ad, um, ad, uh, the advocacy role absolutely and um it's uh, um, I absolutely love it when uh, you see data enthusiasts who then learn to be hands-on and uh, empowering these people is perhaps some of the most uh, impactful thing that I managed to do over the past uh, few years. Mm. And, and a good couple of questions have, have come up for me there. Do you find that you're, you tend to be spend more time defending that 3%? Or advocating that ninety-seven percent. You know, what, what, where do you find the the biggest struggle? Um, I'm lucky enough to be uh, surrounded by people with whom I have to talk, speak for the ninety-seven percent. There are, uh, and I always know the people who will who will challenge me. But it's they do that, and not just to me. It's like their their role in the business, their role mm. in the team dynamic to be uh, the critical thinker and to always uh, bring a new perspective to the table. And I, that's, uh, it's not defending the 3%, it's about constant growth and about always finding, um, having your eyes open and knowing, uh, having a full um, picture um, that's realistic. Sometimes these challenges or defending the 3% means like you need to upgrade your toolkit. You need to review some of the ways of working. Uh, and uh, it's a, that constant challenge to keep on growing and developing. Mm. And, and the other thing I wanted to touch on is that you mentioned empowerment. And this is a, a very key skill. What do you think are some of the other qualities that, that, that leaders need you know, the ones who actually inspire real change and, and those who are successful at driving these kind of transformations? Uh, curiosity and inquisitiveness. Uh, people have to ask questions and uh, people want to, uh, when people want to uh, find out uh, that by themselves how it is to create a scenario, how it is to set uh, targets and objectives, um, and uh, make them uh, both realistic, but also ambitious. That's uh, when you realize that's, yeah, that's great, but you also have to be, uh, to have more than, than that uh, ambition. You have to be also curious uh, and inquisitive. Mm. Do you think humility is a big part of that too? Um. Humility is great, but it can um, serve uh, some. It, it depends on which side of the uh, of the um, 
the of the circle we're touching upon. And if we have different, if we let's say we have different stakeholders um, across the the circle, humility is useful, but uh, uh, you also have it's more important to speak up and to take a stand than to be humble and uh, modest. Um, perhaps it's a cultural thing, but I noticed that uh, humility hasn't um, helped many. Uh, and it's also taken perhaps uh, as a traditionally not such a, um, as a negative uh, trait. Hmm, that's and interesting. Perhaps, yeah, it, it's, um, I, I think this is a, there, will, there, there is a cultural shift happening. And uh, when uh, the humble one will be defended or the humble intervention would also have more back in the room, it will be easier to uh, behave like that. Um, however, for now, it's still uh, I st still see a fair degree of um, ambitiousness and um, standing on, strong on your feet. Uh, may maybe uh, what's the right word? Um, this conqueror uh, mentality uh, still. Mm, yielding uh, better results than the humble. And, and, and just feeding into that wider discussion, a, a lot of what we talk about here at the Data Storytellers are, are the soft skills. So what do you think are some of the most important soft skills? You know, we talk about things like communications, influence, persuasion. Uh, what other, and, and, and your opinion out of those, what, what do you think are the most important to, in terms of actually building those relationships that get the results going? Um, I would say that uh, having this analytical mind is extremely important and not just the being able to uh, run the analysis and um, create all sorts of the conclusions, dashboards. It's knowing what's important and to different stakeholders, uh, to different, in different contexts, different things from the same, let's say, data set from the same sources will become important. So knowing what to say to whom and at what time, uh, at what timing, uh, this, this uh, type of analytical thinking is very important, knowing what's important and uh, how, how and when to say it. Um, aside from that, um, if we uh, come back to this topic of humility, it's the ability to translate the data to everyone's understanding. Uh, sometimes a use of jargon in the right context is good. Sometimes you have to not dump it down, but uh, explain things in the context that's relevant, that, uh, that surrounds you. Really strict and, in a way. Uh, sometimes, but... Uh, with the the most difficult, uh, the most most complex things thing is to create simplicity. So ultimately, it takes skill to to get there. Mm. And and you mentioned having this analytical mindset. Can you tell us about a time that that this played into your success during your career? Whether it was something like securing executive sponsorship, or changing the behavior of, of some key stakeholders, or uh, you know spreading data literacy throughout the organization, something like that. Um, I can think of a couple of examples and uh, it's almost as uh, if you are uh, 
you can, uh, when you step into some of those conversations, you step in with two hats. On one hat, on one side, you're there as the analyst, as the expert, as the uh, mirror uh, or the translator of the data. But at the same time, you're not just a translator, you're a paraphraser and you help um, senior stakeholders or executives um, validate certain findings with you and then focus on what's the most important because they can take everything into account and come out with uh, unclarity or come out with a lack of direction. And yet together you can uh, step out of that analytical and just let's say truth speaking mode and uh, become a bit more um, selective in the terms what you say and the things that you keep quiet because all of the things are true and in any situation there are many truths however for specific business scenarios it's important to focus on the top some some key points and uh, being that having that discernment to make only to know on what to focus on and what to leave out it's almost like it's a decision making power uh, with that you can uh, have uh, that one must have up, um, on themselves. And this is uh, again something that I'm really keen on on touching on is this single version of the truth that everybody talks about. It's kind of like almost in itself, it's another buzzword. Um, when is when do you find is the best time to really spearhead the single version of the truth? And when do you find it's best to accept that there are multiple truths um, to say? I don't know, a project, if we think about it from this project approach as opposed to like anything else? Uh, a single um, version of truth is uh, useful when the results are taking you in the direction, in, in, uh, it, it helps with inertia, helps with your momentum. Uh, then uh, you can, uh, it becomes almost uh, fuel to to the fuel to the, the power to the engine that you have running. Uh, so in that case, uh, when things are successful or are very unsuccessful, then you can use that single version of truth that indeed uh, that's the that's the way forward. Um, for uh, situations when there could be multiple outcomes. That's when um, you need to keep that flexibility and critical thinking more uh, active uh, than uh, just that um, focus on the, let's say, on, on what the data is telling you. Because sometimes the data is, uh, sometimes not all the answers could, could be found in the data uh, you're looking at or mm, that's really interesting and i think a big element of, of a lot of what we've mentioned today is is trust what do you think about the importance of trust and, and building trust and also some of the best ways to really build and, and, and facilitate that in an organization um there are a lot of elements to trust um it, they come from your uh, for instance from the methodology, the process, the people involved, the expertise uh, those people master, um, but also the sources that you're you're using, how they're built, um, and the trust that people 
can also use their own judgment to interpret what you're telling them. Mm-hmm. So this the trust is mutual. Uh, when you don't trust an audience, that's uh, or uh, there is uh, the audience doesn't trust you. You might as well skip that meeting, or might uh, have might find a better use of uh, of your time. Um, there, uh, without trust, it's let's say trust starts from the fact that we're all heading in the same direction. We have shared goals, shared uh, um, visions, uh, shared values, even. And uh, without trust, it's, it would be uh, impossible. And then, of course, you can um, challenge that um, by uh, this, that saying like common sense is not that common or, but, or uh, without trust, like everything uh, crumbles. But uh, in the end, sometimes it's uh, almost healthy not to have 100% trust, it, but it's not trust per se. It's more um as a facet of critical thinking and asking keeping uh, keep asking questions mm. so what are the the best questions to ask then when you want to build trust with someone or maybe like a group of people um it depends on the context or the, <laughs> the problem <laughs> um, at hand um if um I would always start from um, how can I help? In the end, it's about helping them do things better or helping the business uh, achieve certain results or helping uh, them, uh, helping someone do things faster uh, or helping come up with uh, new concepts, new ideas. Um, I I would start uh, with that. Um, Secondly is... um, where do they like where do we see opportunities and is there any way i can uh, contribute to building up certain opportunities um and for uh, uh, last but not least it's about optimizing because we uh, there, there's absolutely that uh, con- that world of limited resources you cannot do everything and uh, increasingly less is more and focusing on the right less uh, is important and this is where i increasingly kind of contribute um, uh, contribute to yeah and, and and again i think something we can we can talk about is is the actual allocation of resources so how do you set those clear priorities build those plans and 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 prioritize and execute the you know how do you decide what what is more of a priority do you look at that from a business perspective do you see what the the individual group needs or what a project might what project might take precedence how how do you go about doing that um i i would it, um a lot starts with how much time on our hands do we have and um if you start with the end goal in mind uh you start to reverse engineer and try to figure out how long what would it take to have ideal results um and that's that's where prioritization comes from um Maybe uh, if I look uh, a while back, uh, it took. Uh, I used to spend much too much time with uh, with data and modeling and really trying to come up with model with answers or or ways of ask of ask the right questions or 
And now it's more increasingly about uh, starting with almost the answer in mind and the end goal in mind, and then using the data as a tool and using other uh, elements of not just data, all the parts of um, analysis, toolkits, uh, as be, um, be, I've become perhaps more disconnected, let's say emotionally disconnected from the data per se, mm. because the more entrenched you are with the data, the less time you have to apply that perspective thinking and uh, um, uh, work with your stakeholders to understand what they're, where they are coming from and what their needs are. And again, just touching on the, the resources piece, from your perspective, what do you think are some of the, the key challenges for data transformation leaders today? Uh, analysis paralysis. <laughs> you, it's, it's like you can spend immeasurable time crunching the data and working with data, modeling it. In the end, it's uh, only what powers your systems. Uh, it's only the fuel in the in the systems, but it's all about the, more the system and the output. So um, I, I would uh, encourage uh, anyone, or and especially practitioners, to focus more on the bigger picture, to focus more on the on the results and on uh, delivery, and perhaps even more on education rather than uh, data perfection. Mm. Or analysis and, perfection, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, without giving too much away, what important projects are you currently working on at the moment in terms of, uh, you know, leveraging data throughout the business? Oh, uh, there's... Uh, it's almost as if uh, every project uses uh, data to, to, a, to a certain degree. Um, and uh, we are uh, in 2022 planning still, uh, trying to refine some of the, and what, what you just uh, talked about earlier, prioritization and making sure that we're spending and we're allocating the right resources to, uh, to the best shots. Um, and also uh, what I'm trying to uh, push for more is this kind of uh, 2030 scenario planning. Uh, so that we don't look uh, so much at uh, 2023 or uh, 2223 or uh, four to five years um, time horizon. I want us to look much further away and then work back to uh, make sure that the goals that we've set uh, will be valid, will be proud of uh, and uh, how do we uh, get there? Mm. And also when it comes to, for instance, to um, let's say our data landscape or our analytics landscape, where do we want to be in 2030? And what would it take uh, us to get, to get there? Um, I would, uh, an, an example um, uh, that I, I kind of experienced or kind of observed it was, a drive for automation and a drive for um, for uh, using uh, tools which are almost like black boxes. Uh, and increasingly, I see there's a trend that uh, more and more people want to work hands-on with data. 
oh, yes, perhaps that might be inefficient. Yes, perhaps that might not be not yield the, the right uh, results. But how do we transition from this uh, from this phase into um, something that's more um, where there's more flow and there's more time? The brain power is allocated not on crunching the numbers, but on uh, looking at uh, what can be done with that. Absolutely. It sounds like you've got some really exciting stuff going on there. What are your personal recommendations and advice to data analytics leaders? Um, that's a great uh, question. And um, I uh, would um, encourage uh, everyone to uh, focus on relationships and to make sure that they, uh, their vision, their, uh, their um, value is, their, like their value add is understood by their senior stakeholders. Um, often uh, it takes uh, much longer than six months or even 18 months to prove the value of an, of an investment in analytics. And it's only with that shared vision and under, like the appreciation of what uh, the change uh, driven by um, could be um, that you would be able to become successful at rolling out uh, or make, making change happen. Um, secondly, it's to stay uh, curious and to stay always connected to what is happening in the industry and uh, not be afraid to try uh, new things. Um, there's incredible uh, momentum and incredible development happening um, on uh, a, a crop, uh, done, whether done by startups, whether done by uh, also some of the biggest companies. So this challenge of constant learning and constant uh, widening of uh, constant horizon widening, uh, don't be uh, like, don't hesitate and don't become hesitant uh, when it comes to adopting uh, new tools, new practices. Um, and um, last but not least, um, I would say remember that the, the bigger uh, vision, uh, having that perspective thinking and keeping that um, perhaps more often than, than, uh, than not uh, engaged. Well, Annie, that's everything for me. I think there were some fantastic insights there that I know that the community will be, will be excited to, to hear about and, and hear your perspective as well. Uh, thanks so much for coming on the show. And um, yeah, I hope to see you again soon. Thank you. And thank you for the challenging questions and the great discussion. <laughs> Thank <music> you.